Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast, where we are empowering youth female athletes to play and live confidently. My name is Shay Hatto, and each week I will bring you new episodes to teach you the strategies and tools that you need in order to live a confident, empowered life both on and off the playing field. Hey, welcome back to the show. So I've got a very, very special guest interview to share with you today. So today's episode, I sat down with Kylie Norcus, who is a former Division I soccer player and current pro player overseas. She also started her own company called Norcus Sports, which is an elite recruiting and mentoring program that not only helps athletes with the process of college and professional recruitment, but also mentors each individual to their specific needs to make sure that they make a direct and immediate impact both on and off the field. So in this powerful episode, we dive into mental health, our stories with anxiety, with depression, and how you can ask for help if you're dealing with any of these things. We also talk about the importance of confidence during the recruiting process and so much more. This interview is genuinely one of my favorite interviews that I've ever recorded, and I'm so excited for you to listen. So whether you're a parent, a player, or a coach, there are so many golden nuggets inside of this episode for you. So I can't wait for you to listen. Enjoy. Hey, Kylie, what's up? Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on. I know like we just have already had a great conversation uh, before we hit record, so I'm super excited about it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on. I feel like we've been needing to have this podcast for so long. So I'm excited to finally get on. I know. Like we've been following each other for a while, but like haven't actually had a conversation. So I know. it's going to be I've fun. It's going to be fun. Cool. Yeah. So before we really dive into it, give us a little background, who you are, kind of your athletic background, and then what you're up to currently. Yeah. So I'm from Southern California, born and raised, um, played college soccer, at Cal State Northridge, which is a D1 in the Big West, and then went through the whole transfer process, which was complicated in itself, up to Washington State, Um, played there for a couple years, then ended up going overseas for a while to Spain, then Sweden, traveled around a bunch of countries while I was there, which was fun. Now I'm back in Washington getting my master's at the University of Washington and started my own business for recruiting and mentoring. And that's a long, long story short, of course. But <laughs> I <laughs> love the details in between. No, but- yeah. And and we'll get into all of those. And some of the things that stood out to me um is like you said, like the transfer process, right? Like, did you I did you um when did you transfer? What what year were you? Yeah, so I played, I redshirted my freshman year in 2013, then played two seasons and then transferred with two seasons left. Okay. Um, so I think I technically was like a junior. Okay. When I transferred. Gotcha. But there's a lot of reasons why I transferred. I was just going to ask what, yeah, because I transferred as well my after my freshman year, but for you, yeah, what were kind of your reasons. And the, and the reason why I'm asking you this is because I want the listeners to know that your first initial decision and who you go play college for doesn't have to be a forever thing. Like you, you can always, you can always transfer. So yeah. What was kind of the reason for you wanting to transfer? Yeah. Well, our class was really big. We had 19 freshmen 
and 17 transferred, first of all. So that's a big number. Yeah. Um, but so I transferred a lot or the main reason why I transferred is because of a lot of like emotional reasons. I just felt like it wasn't a good fit there because there was just so many, the environment was so toxic to me and what I morally stand for. So I ended up trying to make a change and I ended up just committing to my own mental health and my own well-being, which is really scary because when you transfer, you don't know if you're going to get picked up by another team and you don't know if you're going to have like a scholarship opportunity, if you're going to have to pay for it or what's going to happen. So, but I was like, my mental health is more important and I just took my shot and it worked out. That's but. awesome. That's a perfect segue. I know we, we talked about wanting to talk about mental health and anxiety and that kind of stuff. And I, for sure. and I really want to talk about that because that's something I dealt with a lot. And I think a lot of people in general deal with it, but kind of mm-hmm. silently suffer. So for yeah. you, like, when did your, like, when did you start having Um, kind of issues with your mental health or your anxiety? Yeah, well, I think it really was my freshman year of college. Like all of high school always felt totally fine. Um, Maybe I was blocking everything out because I was so young or wasn't comprehending what I was feeling. But then the older I got freshman year when I was just on my own, like no dad, no brothers, nobody around. And I would go through like tough situations like maybe I wasn't starting or playing at all and in club I was playing 90 minutes in the star player and that was really hard mentally for me being like I'm not that player anymore right now anyway or I'm like a really hard breakup or a really hard tragedy in my life that I had to deal with on my own because I was away for college so definitely freshman year, I was 17 when I was in college, freshman. In so college. that's, that's pretty, that's pretty young, right? Yeah. Most people are starting when they're 18, right? Yeah, definitely. Usually 18. So what did you, how did you handle that? Did you, did you reach out? Did you seek help? Did you kind of just like we talk about, did you just kind of silently suffer? What was that process like for you? Yeah, I did silently suffer at first, to be honest. And I think I needed to do that to understand that it is that it is okay to get help. Because at first I kind of went with the stigma of what society and life tells us that, oh, like you shouldn't go to counseling. It's like weak or whatever people say. And I was silently suffering because I fell into that ideology and believing what society and everybody was saying about it. And eventually um, I went to our school or our team psychologist, or we had a sports psychologist there for soccer. And I was like, I'm not scoring goals because I played forward. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not scoring goals. Like I'm not producing. I'm just, there's a block. I just, I'm not doing well. And I kind of just broke down once. And she's like, you should go talk to the school counselor. It's free. And I'm like, okay. And I felt so uncomfortable the first time I was there. I was like, I'm never going back. I feel so vulnerable. And I remember just like, honestly, I just cried and I was like, it feels good to get it out, but it was scary. But I silently suffered for like the whole first year of college because I didn't think it was okay to feel these different feelings that I was like anxiety or depression or like a lack of confidence. Why am I not scoring goals? Am I bad? All of that. Yeah. 
And I feel that's like, I, I silently suffered pretty much my whole life. I didn't go to therapy until like four years ago. And it was, it was just something that you, you didn't do and you didn't talk about and, and you were embarrassed to like, like, I didn't even know how to label my anxiety. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like, I feel like we're getting a lot better at now, but especially now with COVID, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're seeing this with the players that you work with, but the anxiety levels are getting much, much more frequent. Have you seen that too? Oh my God. Yes. And so much anxiety, so much, uh, like doubting their selves, like a self-worth or confidence thing I've been seeing, Yeah, unfortunately, which really it's upsetting, but I'm glad that they're, at least the kids that I work with have been expressing themselves. So I'm hoping that a positive from COVID is that we're breaking the mental health stigma, um, mm-hmm. which is being able to express yourself and say, look, I do have anxiety and it's okay because it is okay. It's more often that people do have it than not. Absolutely. At one point or another in their life, right? Yeah. At one point or another. Yeah, absolutely. For you, did, did soccer make it worse or did it make it better? Oh, it definitely made it better for me. It was like the outlet that saved me. I always say soccer is like my saving grace. Like growing up, I, it was really hard upbringing uh, for me in my childhood. So I would go out to the field by myself, like before practice, after practice. And I just, I couldn't get enough because it would take everything away. And it just was like magic. And then I, I just can't stop. Like I'm still playing, still coaching. It still does it for me. And when I don't play for like a couple days, mm-hmm. I feel really off and my anxiety comes up and I feel triggered. And Like even this morning, I felt really off. I was like, I need to like go play indoor tonight or go on a run or something. And it just helps like the medicine, natural medicine. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, for me growing up, I had anxiety at a really young age um, through middle school, through high school. And yeah, soccer was when I was on the field, that was like the one spot that I knew I wasn't going to be anxious. Right. Even though I dealt with confidence issues and stuff like that, it it was different. It was kind of the escape. And then in college, after a bad breakup, that Mm -hmm. for me was like literally the only time where I could just be me and and not be thinking about like this breakup. Right. And so for me, it was a saving grace in a lot of ways too. Oh, I relate to that so much. Like the first big thing that I felt anxiety from in college was from a really hard breakup. And I remember just being like, I need to go to the weight room. I need to go to practice, like just anything to relieve the pain for at least like a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally relate to that. And I think a lot of my friends relate to that as well. And sometimes it's hard to not carry it on the field. Like it's okay if you might have a bad practice because it's just too much pain still there, but it definitely helps like over time it relieves. It's just an outlet. And I think it's incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad we're talking about this. I think it's, I think it's awesome because I think that it's not talked about enough. And I think a lot of, a lot of girls just go in and and suffer and and they're ashamed of themselves and are embarrassed and think that they think that they need to be, you know, a certain way all the time. And so I I love, I love that we're talking about this and thank you for like being vulnerable with sharing your story with it. Yeah, of course. I mean, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more we're breaking that 
stigma and stereotype. And it it is hard to be vulnerable. I mean, just like you're being vulnerable now too by sharing your stories. And I just feel like the more we talk about it, the more other people are going to be willing to talk about it and relate. So I feel like everybody likes to be related to, to some extent. Absolutely. And that's just powerful in itself of just knowing that you're not alone in what you're going through. Oh yeah, you know. definitely a hundred percent. And I always tell the girls I coach cause I coach uh, like a lot of young women. And I always say that I, um, I struggle with the same things you guys do. And I'm a lot older than you, like, and I get it. And I'm always here. It's not just about soccer. It's about learning life lessons out here. And I always make mm-hmm. sure that they know I'm here for them for anything in life. Yeah, absolutely. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to get into kind of your journey in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, in college and in pro in terms of the confidence and the, and the mental side of the game, because oh, I think yeah. that there's this misconception that like when you're confident, you're confident and you've arrived and it's like, you're always going to be confident. And mm-hmm. I, I want to change the narrative and the paradigm around that because I don't care what level you play at. You're going to go through ups and downs in your career. And I think that a lot of girls, like they just get so down on themselves when they're, when they're on a high note and then when they're on a low and they're like, what's wrong with me? So yeah. yeah, Like what, what was your kind of experience like, and you, you know, maybe club as well, but just kind of as far as the ups and downs with your confidence. Yeah. Well, I remember when my confidence broke, it was like a certain moment in club and I missed a PK and it was just something it seems small but to me being a young woman at that time I think I was like a teenager probably because it was club before college and I missed a PK and I was like oh my god I'm never playing again like that was the worst thing I could have done and I walked back from missing and I was trying not to cry but I cried secretly and I was like god I like suck and I was telling myself (laughs) all these bad things and I played again, but I just couldn't take shots anymore. I couldn't take people one-on-one. I was scared. And I realized it was in my head and I needed to get out of my head. But I, I remember my coach saying, Kylie, like you have such a like nose for the goal and where'd that go? And I didn't know where it went, but now that I'm older, looking back, I remember that was the moment. And, um, I don't know how I helped that but I think it was just having good coaches and mentors around me saying it's okay if you mess up because I remember in practice after that I wouldn't want to take people on or like I said shoot and my coach told me once he's like practice is meant for messing up like Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be mad at you for messing up in practice or even in the game because we're not perfect and I just kept having to tell myself that but I don't know how it would be if I didn't have such a supportive club coach. Like it probably would have been a lot harder to get over that situation. Yeah. And there's like, so actually it was a couple weeks ago I posted, well, by the time this airs, it'll be longer than that. But yeah. I, I posed a question on Twitter because there's a lot of coaches that follow me on Twitter. And I said, would you rather have your player like make mistakes and play full out Or would you rather have them not make mistakes, but just kind of like, you know, float through and every single one of them, of course, said, I'd rather have them play full out and make mistakes. And the reason why I asked that question 
is because the girls I work with also struggle with that, as do probably every other every other girls soccer For player. Sure. Yeah. Right? And so I just wanted to show them, like, hey, look at all these coaches and what they're saying. And so I think yeah. we have a lot of amazing coaches out there that that encourage mistakes and encourage the growth mindset and that kind of stuff. But then there's still those coaches that like you know, whether they're doing it intentionally or not, they kind of break down a player every time they make a mistake, whether it's a little comment or an action or something. Yeah. yeah. And the coaches play such a huge role in that. So Mm -hmm. like from your, from your perspective and your experience playing and, and coaching and everything, what do you think coaches can do to better kind of, um, you know, change the environment around, you know, making mistakes and that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, for sure. I think the answer to that question is just being open. Like a lot of players feel so much pressure and they're scared. They have fear. Like if I mess up, I'm not going to play. I'm going to be benched. And then colleges won't be there to look at me and I won't get a scholarship. And you like do this snowball effect in your head, but it's not even real life. You like make it all up in your head, you know? So as a coach, like I said, I just tell my players, it's okay if you mess up, let's just learn from it, you know, so don't be afraid to mess up. Yesterday during practice, I coach high school, I, some girl was messing up over and over and I was, I pulled her, so I was like, look, turn your hips this way, and she did it, and she started correcting it, and she got, I could, I could tell like a spark happened, and she was like, oh, like I can do this, Mm -hmm. so I think just being, like taking the pressure off a little bit, but obviously you, you could have high intensity with not as much pressure, like just yes. because you don't put so much pressure on not messing up doesn't mean that the play has to drop. Yes. So I think a lot of coaches feel like they have to be so intense all the time to have like a good uh, outcome or players producing goals or passes or defensive plays. And you don't need that, you know, you just have to be supportive mm-hmm. and people will, re- will react more positively to support rather than fear. Yeah. I, there's a couple things you said that really stood out to me. And, and one of them was when you were talking about what you did with your player and you pulled yeah. her out, right? Mm-hmm. You pulled her out and, and you showed her what to do. And I think that, especially for girls players is really, really powerful because if, if you pull a player aside and you, you coach them up one-on-one, which I know you can't do that all the time, but yeah. when you do that, they, they take to it a lot better. Cause when you're just shouting, Hey, move your hips. Like, you know, when you're doing that, then they, they feel like maybe attacked a little bit or Or they get a little bit embarrassed. Yes. And so I think for girls, they don't like being singled out like that at all. No, not at all. I'm, I was probably different with guys. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of coaches that coach boys and men and they say it's a lot different. It's they're fine with that. Mm-hmm. And me being a woman. And then when I was a young woman, I remember being, when I was just yelled at in front of everybody, I was like, so embarrassed. And I felt kind of like resentment or anger towards the coach. Like, how could you point me out like that? But it wasn't the intention. It's just the small details. Like you said, like a gesture or the tone. So yeah, totally. women is definitely it's really a big mental side to it for sure. Huge. Yeah. It's, it's like, I feel like it requires so much awareness. Yeah. Right? Like, seriously. If I say this, how are they going to take it? Right. Because yeah. sometimes the thing you say is not that how they interpret it. 
So it's just like, it requires another level of awareness, coaching girls, I think. And also kind of an understanding of how most teenage girls think. For sure. And I think that's why a lot of women coach women, at least maybe like we're starting to try Mm -hmm. that trend to make that trend a thing. Cause I know I coach women. I feel more comfortable with that just because I was one, like a younger woman earlier on. And now I'm just like, I know how I felt and I know how they react based off of how I used to react to these Mm -hmm. things. I remember in college, for example, I would always, I would be distracted from the game. Like all the time, I'll just keep side-eyeing and looking at the coach. And I'd be like, Mm -hmm. I would see him shake his head and call somebody on the bench. That's my position. I'd be like, Oh, I'm I'm getting pulled out. And then I would just play worse and worse. And it was just, like I said, a snowball effect. And it's all, even those tiny gestures, like shaking their head or being like, or whatever (laughs) the coach will do on the sideline. I'm like, I don't do that. I just have to keep it calm and know that mistakes happen and it's okay yeah I so remember like those times right where you're playing you make a mistake you look up and you see someone start to warm up warming up yeah I'm like no I'm getting pulled out yeah and then you're just waiting for your name to be called right oh yeah and the next five minutes you're playing horribly yeah because you're just not even focused at all and I see that like at, at all ages right and especially at the younger ages where they'll either look over at their, their coaches or also their parents, right? Like when I have calls with, with parents and players, I'll ask them like, what do you do after you make a mistake? Like, you know, and a lot of the time it's like, oh, I look over at mom or dad to see, to see if they're upset, you know? And it's, it's like the parent probably, or the coach probably doesn't think about that, but, Mm -hmm. but the player's always looking at the body language of like, okay, it, what is what I did j- good or is what I did bad? Like, how are they? Oh, pre- yeah. Oh, definitely. I remember doing that all the time. Like, and I feel like there's a whole nother topic of like the parent oh, totally. and kid relationship on the field. I've being a coach, I've rem- like, I always hear parents being like whistling and getting their kids' attention and being like, move or like go quicker. And it just stresses them out, it seems like. Totally. And I'm like, I'll just be like, Hey, to whoever I'm coaching, like, you're fine. Like just play, have fun. Like I always end the halftime speech or like pregame speech. I'll be like, at the end of the day, just have fun. Like we're out here for fun. You guys are a team. You guys are a family. Like go do your thing. I trust you. And I always say, I trust you because I feel like that reassurance, at least for women Mm -hmm. is such a big thing. Cause I know when like a friend or partner or a coach or teammates, like, I trust you. Like I, I got you. You got me. I'm like, I do. Like, I got this. Just that reassurance. I freaking love that. Just like, I trust you because yeah, Yeah. you're right. Girls. It's like, number one, if, if they don't feel like the coach trusts you and teammates trust you, then they're not going to trust themselves, which is where the self-doubt and the overthinking and everything comes in. So just those words alone, if you're a parent or a coach listening to this, start Mm -hmm. using that. Like, I, I don't think I ever have heard that before or use that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. One day I saw my, we were losing so bad. Like the team I was coaching, they were, they had all their heads down. They were not trying, like, you know, they dropped off and I was like, Hey, just play like a zero, zero. I don't even care the score. Like just go out and try to get better. I trust you. Like, and I think when I said that, 
I saw their whole energy shift because I was, they were so down and they probably thought I was going to be mad or upset that we're losing like five zero or whatever it was. And I was like, no, I still trust you. Like, it's just a bad game or whatever's Mm -hmm. happening. So I don't know those words, just, I always see a difference. So definitely whoever's listening, try it. Yeah. And even, even for like teammates to teammates, right. If your teammates Mm -hmm. having a hard time, and you say, Hey, I trust you. Like that's, that's super powerful too. So honestly, yeah. anyone can use that for, you know, not even just in sports, but other areas of your life as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially me now I went, I was playing forward and I, now I play outside back and mm. I was very nervous at first. Cause I was like, if I mess up once, it could be a goal. And up top I'd mess up nine out of 10 times. Yeah. One thing, right. And I'm the star. So now I mess up once and I'm like, oh God, like we could lose the whole game. But I remember, yeah, my center back told me, she was just like, I got you. Like, I trust you, do your thing. And I remember that being such a huge thing in college because I feel like the center back is such a big role and they're kind of the more assertive position. And I don't know, it's just that one line. I think for women, I've seen it change things in me and whoever I've coached to change things. So yeah, I feel like it just kind of like, um, you know, lifts this weight off of you and you, and you can just play and you don't have to worry. Like, you know, that someone like either, whether it's literally or figuratively, they, they got your back, right. Whether it's your center back or your center mid saying that to your forward, your goalkeeper saying it to your center back, like, you know, that case. And then just in terms of like, Hey, like I got your back. Like you don't have to worry. Like I'll always be here for you is massive. For sure. And another thing that also helps um, is that whenever you have a coaching point that may be like negative, I don't really know how to say it, but like um, pick it up or get it together or whatever you want to say. I always try to do like one negative thing and pair it with two positive things. For sure. So it's kind of the sandwich effect is what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. The PB and J, I don't know what to call it, but yeah, yeah. the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sandwich. Yeah. That that's a good one. Um, okay. So I want to move a little bit into like playing at a really high level. Cause you've played at a really high level and you work with, with players who want mm-hmm. to either play collegiately or professionally. So yeah. just like, I guess let's start broad and then we'll kind of narrow it down, mm-hmm. but how important is the mental side of the game in your opinion to play at that next level, whatever that next level may be? Oh, it's literally everything. Like, I think that's what makes the difference because the higher up you get, the closer you guys are getting in athletic ability and skill. So like, if for example, when you're in club, you might be the fastest, strongest, it's easy. But then you move into college and you're like, oh God, this girl's just as fast as me. What's happening? And it's kind of freaky. And then it comes down to that mental edge, like belief and confidence in yourself. Cause you could tell a player that has confidence in themselves on the field, the way they carry themselves or like up rather than slunched down. Like it's goes down to the tiny details. And I remember when I had a big lack of confidence, when I first was playing in college Mm -hmm. in that transition. And like I said, I wasn't producing, I was just falling off like the edge super quick. And when I started to work on gaining that confidence again through therapy, counseling, like just talking to my coach about how I felt, um, I started to produce so much more and I ended up starting playing and that just is tangible proof that your mental health 
and confidence and everything is a direct correlation of how you play on the field. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, and I think it's, uh, you've probably seen this too. It's really, really underrated, right? Like I I talk about it all the time. It's like, it's like so many people, oh, I want to get better. So the first Mm -hmm. thing I'm going to look at is I need to train more, whether it's technical, whether it's speed and agility or strength or whatever it is. And I feel like the mental piece, people think of it as an, it's like an afterthought, right? It's like when there's a problem, then I will work on my mental health. It's or, yeah. or my mental health confidence, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But it's it's not seen as something that can actually elevate your game. It's seen as something mm-hmm. like, oh shoot, there's a problem here. Let's go get it fixed. Yeah, which it's too late. Like I remember you posting something. Well, not too late, but it'd be better if you yeah. worked on it before. Right. I remember you posted something. I think I screenshotted or saved it or something on Instagram, and it was saying something like why wait till something's broken to work on it? Yeah. It was worded differently, but I was like mind blown by that because I haven't really thought about it either. Just like you said, most people don't think about it, but I heard this one quote once from um, a coach and he said, soccer is 80% mental and 20% physical. Mm -hmm. And then the older I got now that I've started my own recruiting program and mentoring with confidence and reaching next levels, I'm like, we never act on that. Like, that's just a saying. We don't work on the 80%. Like we're only doing the 20% work, working physically in the weight room, getting like faster, stronger, more technical, but where's the 80%? Like this saying is kind of BS because nobody's doing anything about it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's the, the term I use all the time too. It's like, if it, if that's really the truth, right. That it's 80% mental. And I believe it is, or at least, at least like 60, 40, right. We'll say yeah, like, like big yeah. percentage. I don't yeah. know, a bigger percentage, right. Yeah. Why aren't we training that way? Like exactly. there's, so, there's so much untapped potential. Oh yeah, for sure. So much untapped potential. And I've witnessed it through myself and the players I've coached and played with, like, you could tell when a player's off or having a, like a, like a bad mental health day or whatever it may be and their performance totally shows. I mean, you, you playing soccer your whole life, you've known how to, how's it felt having anxiety or going to a game when you had that bad breakup or something going on. And even if it was an outlet, it still was really hard to perform well. Yeah. And it wasn't nearly as fun. Like that it was, was not that was one of the big things for me is like when I was 15, I almost quit because I, I, I just lost my love for the game because I wasn't confident. The game yeah. brought me anxiety. I couldn't handle the pressure. I yeah. couldn't handle not getting emails from coaches while my teammates were like, I, I just, I just didn't know how to, how to handle any of that. And it, I was so close, Kylie, so close to like totally leaving the game that I had played my whole life just because of like the way that I thought about myself, my confidence and and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I actually had a teammate in college end up quitting and she was one of our best players and it was so out of the blue and we're like, why, like what's going on? Yeah. And she was, her situation was different, but it was more of a, the coach was kind of breaking her down (laughs) over time and too much pressure on her and yeah. she's like it's not even fun I hate I dread going to practice it's a chore it's a job and 
I just feel more anxiety than not. And she left and I was like, she hasn't come back. And I'm like, I hate that story. And seeing more and more of those stories, people like us and other people, other mentors we know are trying to make a difference and just spread awareness that that is a big thing. Like confidence and how people talk to you on the field and off the field. And yeah. 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 I thought there was a, a bunch that you said um, that really like just little things that I'm like, mm, I want to, I want to <laughs> dig into this a little bit more. Yeah, go and you said you were talking about body language, right? And oh, specifically, yeah. I want to talk about it in terms of if you're the recruiting agent, you have coaches coming to watch you. How yeah. important is, is your body language out on the field? Oh, that's huge. I love that question. Um, it's huge. Like I remember like when I wasn't confident, my shoulders would be slumped, my head would be down. And one of my coaches literally pulled me out and I never got pulled out. So I had an attitude of why are you pulling me out all <laughs> mad in club. He's like, you just, I will rather sit you than you like sabotage yourself out there in front of these coaches. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, just, you literally look defeated. And he, I think there was film, somehow he showed me and I was like, wow, yeah, you're right. So ever since then, he was like, present yourself with confidence, like stand up, you know, like you're a good player, you're a great person. And I remember also my dad pointing it out and this was a big turning point for me. And he said, well, this is kind of a weird example, but he's like, humans are pretty much like animals. Like they could sense out the yes. weak ones and it's based off body language. So it's kind of like, you attack the weak link. Like if you are playing a team, they have a really weak outside back, you like attack that left back all the time and just try to exploit them. But it's all based off of how they're presenting themselves. You could, mm -hmm. you don't even have to see them play. It could just be based off of how their body language is on the field. And you're like, I know I could beat her. But if you're standing up tall and proud, I'm like, okay, this girl has some confidence, like might be a little bit more of a challenge. No, that, that's seriously a beautiful example Yeah, right? in the animal kingdom, or I guess, or part of the animal kingdom, but, but like, yeah, it's, it really is like what I use the example. I think I used it in my book. I'm pretty sure when you're, when you're like, let's say it's, um, you know, starting kickoff and you're yeah. standing across from a girl who's, who's got her shoulders back and who's got this look in her eyes and this swagger about her and yeah. you probably are going to back off a little bit on the oh, flip side. Right. If there's a player that's maybe got her head down and she's fidgeting or she's doing whatever, then you're like, ooh, like it's exciting. Like fresh like, blood, but it's consider. like fresh blood. Right? Exactly. It really is that animalistic feeling where you're like, I'm yeah. gonna go after her, like I know I got her, like I could beat her. Yeah. It's like the weak going after the weak link. I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. Instinct you naturally do. Yeah. And same with coaches recruiting. They look at players who look confident. And even if you're not performing the best, coaches just love confidence in general. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's hard to coach, like, uh, like um, you could coach confidence like you do. It's hard though. It's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. So it's easier to see players that are already like secure in themselves and whatnot. But oh, yeah. It's, it's way easier to coach uh, technicality and physicality yeah. than it is confidence, trust me. For sure. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I love that though. Cause it's, it really is like, you don't, you don't have to be the best player, but like if your body language is crappy and you are the best player, 
-hmm. that coach isn't going to be, you know, as, as drawn to you if you got like a bad attitude or your body language just isn't very confident. So it's, it's huge. And it's just so little that I think a lot of players don't always think about it and they're not always aware of it. Oh yeah. I wasn't aware of it. Like my coach had to show me film and my dad yeah. to me. I had no clue and I felt confident. So it was weird because mm -hmm. I even felt confident, but yeah. I just wasn't portraying it. And he's like, Kylie, like, are you okay? You don't, are you not feeling good? What's wrong? I was like, no, I feel good. Like I scored a goal. This is awesome. It's like, you look not okay <laughs> out there. So yeah, I, I, sometimes you have to teach players, you know, you see in like, I was watching um, this basketball game the other day or a couple years ago, it was a replay or something. Mm -hmm. And the guy missed a free throw or whatever, lost the game. I don't know what it was, but his head was down and his teammate just came up and was like, Oh, I saw that. I saw that. And I was like, Whoa, that's literally it right there. Body language. And it just shows. Yeah. So important. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you said that like little piece in there. I'm glad we caught it. Cause yeah. yeah, it's something that like, it's in my book and I, I talk about it, but I think it's in just something that we don't think about enough. And then also like, like you said, you may not always know what your body language is. So getting film of you, obviously people watch film to watch a bunch of other things, but like looking at your body language is, is a really, you know, big key when watching back film and that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, just goes back to working on the mental part because that is um, the 80% or the 60%, yeah. whatever you're saying, instead of just working on the technicality side, the technical side. So yeah. film is really helpful in that sense, but it's more so like you have to know what to look for. Absolutely. And yeah. I want to get into confidence. We obviously talked about how important it is in playing at the next level, but more, my, my main mission is yes, to build confident athletes, but more importantly, to just build confident people, confident leaders. All right. The sports is just the byproduct. It's just the symptom of a more confident person. So yeah. for you and in, in what ways has confidence helped you off of the field? So, you know, building your business and, and um, being a coach and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. I love that question. It's, it's really helped me in the sense of accepting things that are, I don't know how to put it, um, accepting the things that are worth value. Mm, like, yeah. I, d I don't know if I put that right, but I, when I wasn't confident, I would accept people or things or situations that didn't hold much value or held more of a toxic energy. And now that I'm more confident, I'm like, you know, I'm worth more than that situation. I'm going to take myself and move away from that yeah. and move to a more positive energy and situation so that was the biggest thing that's helped me is I've been the more confident I get the more I feel like I manifest and draw in more other confident people and other positive people and it kind of like is a catalyst of just growing in life because when I was less confident and maybe more negative of a person I would accept all these other negative things and it would just draw me down. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing is it, it really is the catalyst to just every aspect of my life, like relationships, platonic or romantic, whatever mm -hmm. it may be, work, accepting like bosses, how they speak to me, being my own boss now and speaking to my team or employees and whatnot, how I would want to be treated. It just, correlates to every aspect in my life and 
yeah I don't know how else to put it it's just like kind of mind-blowing yeah I mean it really like the thing that I I, it's really like knowing your worth right that's what I was trying to say yeah Yeah. no knowing your worth and like protecting protecting your energy so it's like when you're confident you you protect your energy you don't feel like you have to say yes or please somebody else to to make you feel worthy exactly it's it's too I've I've learned that too and confidence has been a big part of me growing my business and like knowing that even though I mess up and even though I may fail like I'm I'm still confident in who I am and what I'm doing and without the confidence that I've built I guarantee you I would not be where I am now oh yeah right for sure and like I know that before I started my business a few months ago, I was like, oh, uh, it's not really going to do well, you know, kind of imposter syndrome, like, can we even do this? And then I met somebody who's doing the same thing as me over in a different place of the country. She's like, you got this, like, why can't you do it? Like, you're so qualified. And I remember just getting this constant reassurance and support from other people who are confident like I said it's a catalyst to your own life yeah I'm like I could do this and I launched it and I have people signed with me and I have weekly mentorship talks about confidence and like reaching the college level and whatnot and they help me gain confidence too Mm -hmm. so I it seems like I'm just helping them but they help me so much just as much as I help them I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cause like you, you didn't believe in yourself at first, but you borrowed that belief. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing is you can borrow someone else's belief until you have it in yourself, but you, yes. but you just have to start. Right. And that's, yeah. that's huge because starting your own business and running your own business is the scariest thing. I think one of the scariest things you can ever do, right. Oh, so Putting yourself out there and and there's people that are going to think that you can't do, and then there's people are going to, you know, critique you. But like, that's the big thing with confidence is I see that girls, one of the biggest things is that they're worried about what other people will think of them, right? They're worried about being judged. But oh, yeah. you, have, you have this confidence in yourself. Yeah, you may still care what people think. And I think that's okay. But you mm-hmm. don't let that stop you from doing what you want to do and being who you want to be. So yeah. that's where I see confidence makes the biggest impact, not only in the game, but also like in your professional life and your whatever else you decide to do after that. For sure. I love how you put that. It's, it's like being more of a secure person in yourself. Yes. And then know, like you said, knowing your worth. So now you're not willing to accept something that is, could be damaging to your mental health. Cause you know that that could be unhealthy or toxic, whatever word you want to use and being able to be confident and secure in yourself and know that whatever you want is what you should do in mm-hmm. other people's opinions or judgment. Yeah. It's kind of irrelevant for the most part. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really hard. I know when I was in club and even college and still now to this day, I still struggle with that. I'm like, it's hard to overcome that. But mm-hmm. for me, meditation has really helped um, being able to center myself. I'm still working on it, but being able to center myself and be like, what do I Kylie want? out of this and if it if that out or if that decision hurts somebody's feelings or whatever it may be I still know that I need to do what's best for me and myself obviously there's a good way to go about it you don't have to be like rude whatever the situation may be 
I like that you shared that because I think that a lot of people think that like when you're confident, you don't, you don't doubt yourself anymore. And that's absolutely not true. Like I still doubt myself sometimes, but the, the thing is you just, you're going to doubt yourself. The most successful people still doubt themselves, mm-hmm. but they did, they, they don't let that self-doubt stop them. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the biggest thing is like, it's okay to doubt yourself. And when it comes to confidence, you're, you're never going to have like arrived, right? We kind of already talked about this, but it's something like you said, you, you're, you're still working on it. I'm still working on it. There's still every single day. There's, there's practices that I do in the morning and at night and throughout my day that help my minds and help my confidence, because it's something that you have to continually work on. Otherwise just like if you stop working out, your muscles are going to shrink. Same thing with your confidence, in my opinion. I love that you said that. So pretty much you're saying you have a routine in the morning and night that help you. And something really vulnerable that I'll say right now is when I was going through a really hard time in college and I was suffering from like anxiety and sometimes depression and didn't want to get out of bed, like mm-hmm. just super hard. I was going through it pretty much. Yeah. And I remember... I'm making a routine is like what saved me. So I remember it doesn't have to be a significant thing. Um, and that was what was comforting to me. Cause I thought that I had to make this whole morning routine, whole night routine. And yeah. I was like, I can't even get up. Like how do right. I do all of this? And I remember my very first day that I committed to just like getting a better and more healthier mental mindset was um, <clears throat> I was like, just drink one cup of water a day. Mm-hmm literally it was so small and <clears throat> sorry um drinking one cup of water I was after doing that for the first couple of days I was like I could do this like I was successful in that and it might not seem like a big thing to a lot of people but that was even hard to accomplish when I was so anxiety yeah. like had so much anxiety so after um <clears throat> I don't know what's happening with my voice um yeah. after drinking one cup of water, I was like, I'm successful. I could do this. It gained a little bit of confidence. And then I would add maybe like 10 minutes of reading on top of that and then a run. And then it slowly over time, I gained this routine that worked for me mm-hmm. and that's what helped. And now I stick to it and I tweak it once in a while, but routine is so huge with mental health. And yeah. I like how you brought that up. Well, I like how you shared some things. I was going to ask you, but you shared some. And so I think that's important how you said, like, it doesn't have to be this big, elaborate, like seven step morning routine, right? It literally like start with one thing for me and my mental health. It was, it was meditation, right? That will always, I don't care where I'm at. Meditation will always be in my routine. Like that's Mm -hmm. my saving grace. So it's Mm -hmm. like that. And then every morning I'll write like gratitude and an affirmation. Right. So like, those are things I do every, every single morning. So it doesn't have to be this complicated thing, right? Like start with one thing, do it really well. And then once you're done or not once you're done, but once you feel good in that, then you can add on something else, like how you added on reading or going for a run. It's like, you just, um, I don't know if this is a term, maybe habit stacking. I don't know if, I think that maybe is a term. I don't, I, I, it sounds right, but like, sounds right. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it, I don't think I came up with that. Um, if I did all that, that's pretty cool, but I don't think I did. Um, but yeah, I think it's so just like finding one habit, getting good at that, adding another habit to where you just continue to grow and improve. And yeah, I think that's awesome. And again, thank you for, for sharing that and being vulnerable with, 
your experience with that. It's powerful. Yeah, for sure. It definitely was an active thing, a proactive thing you could do to help gain your confidence. Yeah. Because like I said, when you accomplish one of them, like for you, I have to do meditation every single day, no matter what. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you don't do it, you kind of roll, dang, I, I didn't do this. And you start slacking, then other areas start slacking and it's yeah. a snowball effect once again. Yeah. So when I drink water every single day, I was just like, oh, I got this, the confidence booster. Mm -hmm. But then when I didn't, it's kind of like the self-deprecation comes in. Oh, I didn't do it. Like, oh, it's fine. I don't, I don't have to read today then. Or I don't have to go on a run. I'll be fine. Like yeah. it really snowballs effects. It to I, I talk about this a lot with my girls. It's like just doing one thing every day that you really stick to and commit to. It's, mm -hmm. it's making the, the promises or keeping the promises that you make to yourself. Right. And whether it's drinking a glass of water or writing three things you're grateful for, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But the more you do it, the more trust you build in yourself, the for more sure. credibility and the more confident you are. And if you yeah. don't do it, then it's like, oh man, I didn't do this. And you, and you start to not feel great about yourself. So it's not uh -huh. the, the result necessary that comes from doing that thing. Uh -huh. So it's that obviously, but then also it's the confidence that you build in just doing the practice in itself. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's something I just had to learn on my own yeah. based off of just my own experiences and everyone's different, yeah. but yeah, but for the most part routine, I know humans are creatures of routine and habit. Yeah. So you see it all the time. Like humans like to come back to their own house, brush their teeth, um, do whatever their comfortable routine is. That's why change is so hard because we're <laughs> so engraved in what we know and what we do. So if you get up and move to a completely different state or change up your whole routine or drive home, it feels a little uncomfortable. So, yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know the number on this. I used to know the number, but I think it was like something like 64% of everything we do. Oh, it's in my book. Dang it. Oh, I've heard this before. I've 44% or 64% of everything we do is out of habit. Yeah. One I've of those numbers, which either way, those numbers are crazy, right? Like most of what you do every day is purely out of habit. So it's important to do like a habit audit, right? Figure yeah. out what, what am I doing? Is this good habit? Is this a bad habit? Because if it's a bad habit, bad habits lead to bad days, which leads to bad weeks and bad lives and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. And we can go down a really big rabbit hole talking about habits. <laughs> but like, yeah, just know that your habits and your routines make a big impact and just start small, right? Yes. Start small. For sure. That's yeah. the main point that I come here today with. It just starts yeah. small. You don't have to overwhelm yourself and yeah. think about the big picture. I should be doing this, this, this. I should already be in college. I should already have this big scholarship, already have yeah. a like relationship, a house, whatever it may be. Yeah. Like literally it starts with a cup of water for me. Anyway. <laughs> so, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, last thing I, I want to get into, I, I want to hear about Norca sports a little bit. I want to hear a little bit more about what you do and kind of who you help and how you help them. Yeah. So I could go on forever about this too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I help pretty much long story short, I help youth athletes with the transition to college, mm -hmm. um, like mentally and physically recruiting wise and all that. And then college to pro. Awesome. And the reason why I started this all is because I realized how difficult it is to make those transitions, like mentally and physically, technically and everything. Because yeah. um, when I was going overseas 
to play at pro at first a couple years ago I was like why is this so hard I was dming random people I was like can you connect me with this coach here and it was so hard and I couldn't get an agent and I was a good player in college so I was like why is this so difficult like especially for women because I know men they from my guy friends they've gotten multiple contracts like it seemed pretty easy compared to at least my path and I was like this isn't fair I hate this and I was like let me just create something that will help bridge this gap a little bit more smoother than what it is and um, in terms of the youth to college I know that that transition is really hard like I said freshman year was so hard and Mm -hmm. you don't have your parents or source of comfort and support there it's just you yeah and being able to help these youth kids with that transition mentally and physically as well like train them at a higher level and coach them on confidence and maybe how to work with adversity or go through something when you're alone and also connect them to different colleges and whatnot whatever they're interested in it's just kind of giving back because like I said soccer Mm -hmm. has given me so much and I'm like I hope this could provide I could help provide this for other people and I think the main main thing for me is finding those diamonds in the rough because I played with incredible players like hands down the best players I've ever played with and they never went to college because they didn't know how wow yeah and I'm like why didn't you go to college and they're just like I didn't know what to do Mm. I'm just like you literally would have been the star player at a top college like we need people to help this transition because that's not okay and I love that mm -hmm. you know what too like I feel like there's there's a fair amount of big organizations and small that help players get recruited but there's not many people at least that I am aware of that help in the transition especially like the, the transition of physically and mentally between a youth player and a college player. Like, I don't know about you, but if I would have had a mentor during that time, oh yeah, oh my gosh, that would have been an absolute game changer for me. I know. It, that's, same here. that's like the same. scariest time. That was for sure the scariest time in my life. And I was across yeah. the country. Like yeah. I had, I knew a couple people, right. And, and my family at VCU was amazing. Mm-hmm. But it was still, it was so difficult. And so I, I, I freaking love that you do that. And I think that it's so needed because oh, I yeah. just know that I, I would have flourished if I would have had a mentor like you when I was that age. Oh, same, same. I, I, my freshman year would have been so much more smooth, like just transition of knowing what to expect even because I had this ideology of, oh, going into college and being the star player, like getting all the fans are there. <laughs> yeah through campus and you're like the cool one and it's like okay I pl- I played left bench freshman year pretty much so I wasn't expecting that was so hard but if I just had somebody there to mentor me and stick with me on more of a personal level yeah because like yeah. you said there's a lot of these bigger recruiting agencies that do similar things but it's just mm-hmm. more generic I feel like you're kind of more of a number rather than making it more personal and that's what I'm trying to get to is making people feel valued in themselves and make each journey with me personal with them. Yeah. And the, and the soccer part or the sports part is such a small percentage of that, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you manage all of the stuff that go along with that? The relationships, the, 
you know, the travel, like just the emotional and mental stuff that you go through at that time is, is so hard. So I love that you're doing that. Um, I think that's amazing. And like, where can, where can people like learn more about Norca sports and follow you and all that kind of stuff? I want everyone to go follow you and find you. So where, where can we find you? Yeah. So, um, Instagram, my Instagram, which is at Kylie Norcus. And then I also have a website, which is norcussports.com, which has all the information on, um, that website. You could sign up through it. We, you could, we could set up a free call, whatever it may be, but, um, yeah, Instagram and my website, I've been talking to people a lot through both of those. Yeah. And you, you got a, you got a good Instagram. I, I love the videos you post and they're just like, so, real and authentic too, which, which is what yeah. I love about them. Like you're the same with me here mm-hmm. as you are in your Instagram videos. And so I, I just want to commend you for free, for everything you're doing. It's awesome. Thanks. I feel the same with you. I mean, we're both reaching towards similar goals of helping spread confidence and love and awareness. And that's the goal at the end of the day. I mean, just to help the youth athletes become better and stronger people off the field and then like you said on the field is just a byproduct absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for coming on and guys okay here's what i want to do i want you guys to take a screenshot of this episode and then tag me and kylie on your instagram and bonus points if you let us know what your biggest takeaway is i think that would be really powerful for kylie i know it would be powerful for me so tag me shay hato and kylie norcus on instagram Um, and share your biggest takeaway. But yeah, thanks again, Kylie. This was an absolutely amazing conversation. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. So I'm glad it happened. Yeah, thanks again, girl.